Welcome back to the Syracuse Football Podcast. I'm Stephen Bailey, joined as always by Julian Wiggum, and we're here to preview the Oranges matchup with Duke Saturday, 4 p.m., Durham, North Carolina. Uh, the Orange coming off its second bye week, and the big news was that they changed defensive coordinators. Dino Babers fired Brian Ward and has promoted Steve Stenard, who was the defensive ends coach. We're going to touch on that. We're going to touch on the unique challenges that Duke presents on both sides of the ball, and we're going to take some reader questions. Before we jump into all that, I need you guys to go subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please, we really appreciate all your support. If you'd like to purchase advertising, you can contact Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. All right, Julian, let's jump in. Just kind of wanted to get your impressions off the bat. Um... You know, Dino Babers wanted to go in a different direction at defensive coordinator. He said that this wasn't based on the BC game strictly. It was based on kind of ma- matching personnel with scheme over the last four years. What did you think about that decision, and, and what did you think about the timing of it as well? Yeah, so I thought Coach Babers' explanation of uh, the change was interesting. Uh, you know, in the last podcast, we talked about you know, what a head coach may factor into uh, his decision to make a change at uh, the, the at one of his assistant positions, right? And yep. uh, one of the biggest keys was how his players are playing under a guy for an extended period of time. Obviously, you don't make a coaching change off of one game. Uh, but I think uh, the last time we saw Syracuse play, uh, we kind of saw a culmination of some of the issues on defense. Uh, and with the amount of talent that they have on that side of the ball, uh, I think it was like 600 plus yards allowed uh, against BC. That's, yep. You, can, you can't you can't have that with that much talent. And when you do go on to have a change, and as a player, you're you're kind of like, okay, what do we have? And usually things stay the same uh, in terms of uh, the terminology, uh, the language that guys are using. So you're not really changing up the language of how checks are formed and all of that. Uh, but at this point in the season, when you have a coaching change like that, uh, usually it's, it's just a, a different type of, uh, I don't know how to explain, a, a effort level required. They start to get on you a little bit more and say, this is how things are going to be now. You know, they kind of establish themselves as what kind of effort, what kind of standards there is in practice. They start to reevaluate the principles of how you go about yourself as a player uh, at this point in the season. Then in the off season, that's when you start to get uh, new uh, concepts, maybe a little bit of new language put in, and a, a change at the as a defensive scheme. Um, the biggest thing for guys at this point in the season is is just making sure they're still, you know, mentally there. A lot of guys check out at this point. And I think the biggest thing uh, for Coach Denard on that defensive side of the ball is getting guys to buy back in. So it's kind of a a refresher for those guys on defense and what the kind of standard is going to be uh, for that that side of the ball and. As the unit, and you know, being I had never played for Coach Davis, right? But I've seen that system and the, the cover two and, and what it's about. And when you change from uh, guys who are sitting back, they're kind of on, they were kind of on their heels as linebackers. Um, you know, I, the change on defense, it may switch to a, uh, a more aggressive style. I don't know if they're going to say we blitzing more or if they change from a cover two to a cover four. Uh, which is what the majority of college football plays. Uh, but it, there can be a different level of aggression in terms of uh, what kind of defensive scheme may start to uh, come to form in Syracuse. And I think that's going to be welcomed by the players. Um, uh, whenever you've lost for uh, an extended period of time, any kind of change is, is good to you. 
Um, as long as your position kind of <laughs> stays safe. But um, I, I think the guys are welcome to change, and uh, especially when you're coming off a season like this with the success you had just, just a year ago. Yeah, you kind of echoed a lot of the points I heard from Syracuse players last night. K.J. Ruff, de- defensive tackle, kind of kind of said what you said, a new standard is attempting to be set, efforts really being emphasized, but the verbiage and terminology is, is mostly the same. Uh, Andre Sisko said the same thing, tackling really being emphasized on the back end, not a surprise there, effort. Um, Lakeem Williams was, was kind of his take on it, was the one that I thought was the strongest, and he basically said, you know, if, if you are not out there putting in complete effort, you are not going to play. And uh, so I don't know if that means we're going to see personnel changes. I don't know if that means guys are getting pulled a little more quickly in practice. Um, But, you know, he seemed to think that there would be a bit of a rejuvenated Syracuse defense there. Um, He said he didn't want to say too much. So to me, that means maybe we're going to see a little bit a little bit different from the linebackers. You know, Stenard himself is now working with the linebackers where obviously Brian Ward was. Maybe we'll see. Some different pressure combinations. Uh, maybe you know, maybe it's it's small things that, that someone like myself can't even tell. Uh, so you know, I do expect some changes there from that position group. But I think overall, it's it's obviously the same verbiage. It's the same scheme. They're, they're not making wholesale changes with three weeks left. Um, the big question for me moving forward is, you know, these, these are three games for Steve Stenard to to make a case to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, I guess I'm going to ask you to put on your, your head coaching hat for a second, Julian. Like, How seriously would you entertain um, keeping Steve on full-time? Uh, or do you think that this is a situation where you need to go out and bring in a fresh guy, a diff- maybe, a, maybe a more aggressive system, or maybe even just a different set of faces to try and get, get that higher level of performance, set that higher standard a, a little more firmly? So when it comes to if I was the head coach, right, and I needed and I was evaluating my assistants, my coordinators, and I wanted to decide if I wanted to keep a guy versus go with an entirely new system, I need to put it out there first that I am quite the progressive when it comes to uh, schemes, right? And over the years watching it, me personally, I would go straight to a. Four, a 4-2 defense, have a nickel, uh, but it would be a cover four kind of scheme. I would go straight to cover four, find ways to match up, and for the most part, we'd be a, either cover four or switch to a man and find ways to go after the quarterback. I think that's the most uh, successful. I think it's the fastest kind of defense you can put out there on the field. Um, so if it were me, I would look for someone who understands that scheme. Now, Coach Nart has been with the 4-2, they've been running it. They've had five defensive backs out there for essentially a nickel scheme for, for the last two years now. He's yep. been in it. Um, and my thought would be, when I'm evaluating him for three, these three games, I'm looking to see what he presents, what kind of new ideas he has, what kind of defensive, uh, what he's trying to accomplish as a coordinator. Uh, and he essentially has an extended interview with uh, the opportunity to provide a sample as well as what his defense can do, what his defense is, is principled on, and it gives him a leg up in terms of competition on who I want to keep. So I would give Coach Nard obviously his three games and look closely at what kind of principles he has in terms of how he runs his defense, uh, what he tries to accomplish as a defense, whether it's going after the quarterback, uh, coverage, 
an emphasis on line, but whatever the case, whatever it is that he emphasizes as a coordinator and what his defense is trying to accomplish, I want to see is it effective and do I like it? Is it complimentary to the kind of offense that we're running? So if that's the case, you keep him. If not, you go and then you start to look for other guys. And this is where if I'm starting to see and look around for other people, it, it's it's more so, okay, I like Coach Denard. Maybe he's better in, at this spot as a position coach here or there, whatever the case may be. And I like what this new guy presents in terms of his defensive scheme and what he's trying to accomplish. So you're just kind of weighing what it is that the head coach you want your defense to look like, if they're going to be aggressive, uh, what kind of mentality you're trying to coach into them. And it, it's really for Coach Sonar to win, he's got the three extended games to put it on tape versus another coach who may be at either a smaller school uh, with less talent that he's working with trying to show what he can do or a, a bigger-time coach who, who may not even come. So it, you're just kind of weighing who you have and what you can do. But if it was me personally, my progressive style is to go to the nickel because it automatically makes your outside linebacker that much more athletic. At, I think they've used Trill Williams at it right now. Yep. Uh, you're that much faster as a defense and – me being raised under the Scott Schaefer scheme, uh, bringing pressure, blitzing, but at the same time, I, I, I've seen some things in the NFL that are checks-wise that I, I, w- I would try to incorporate. So if I'm Coach Babers, it really, if it was me, I'm looking for the most progressive style, which I think Clemson does a great job of. And if Coach Babers can bring that in, I think that would really reju- uh, rejuvenate Syracuse defense and take advantage of the talent that they have. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting few weeks for, for sure. And, uh, you know, Steve, Steve kind of gets no break here to start. Uh, Syracuse facing its first dual-threat quarterback this year. Quentin Harris from Duke has been really productive. Uh, six rushing touchdowns, 500 yards gained, 60% completion rate, 1,600 yards, 14 passing touchdowns. Duke's offensive line has some issues. Uh, center's going to be out this weekend. They haven't scored more than 17 points the last three weeks, but... You, you and I have watched dual-threat quarterbacks eat against the system the last few years. How does that fit into the timing of this, do you think? And, um, you know, if you're Steve Stenard, how are you trying to get ready for, for a challenge that, you know, they, they haven't faced this year? You know, Andrew Armstrong maybe mixed in a little bit last year, but he and Lakeem Williams are going to be probably seeing some things this year. This, on Saturday, I should say, that they haven't seen all year. Yeah, so I think it was great that Coach Denard got the two weeks to kind of get himself and strengthen to the defense and kind of mm-hmm. put together a game plan. But uh, surprisingly, man, I I feel like Syracuse at this point, despite the fact that they're constantly have been getting beat by uh, dual threat quarterbacks, I think that they're built to actually be able to handle them if if they just scheme it up correctly. So my thought process is if you have two very athletic defensive ends who are competent enough not to rush all the way upfield or to put together a scheme where your defensive line finds a way to contain a quarterback rather than just rush up at him and give him lanes to, to run and throw the ball. Uh, there's also, on the back end, two different guys that you can stick in at the nickel position between either Antoine Cordy or uh, Trill Williams to sit and spy on the quarterback. And, you know, these are things that are already built into the defense, and that's how you shut down uh, a mobile quarterback. Obviously, when Syracuse played uh, Lamar Jackson, I think that's a completely different story. But uh, for the most part, when you've got guys that are kind of much like a, a John Warford, who they've played in the past, and, and characters of that nature, uh, 
the scheme that you should have in place is you're sitting back, giving him uh, zone coverage so that you've got guys on the quarterback, and then you really want to have defensive ends who can contain the outside, and a guy in the middle playing spy able to roam sideline to sideline and keep the quarterback in check, which I really believe Syracuse has the personnel to accomplish that sort of defense. Anytime we play a uh, mobile quarterback in my career, whether it was high school, college, NFL, that was the game plan. And coaches would always emphasize the defensive ends and the defensive lines, uh, gap responsibility and how to set the edge. And then it would be on uh, linebackers and safeties, hey, keep your eyes open, keep your eyes open. Don't jump too much because you don't want to get out of a passing lane and all of a sudden the guy takes off on you. So, um, again, I think that Coach Noah has this was a great time in terms of making the coaching change because, one, after the BC game, you kind of saw everything uh, that Coach, coach um, Ward's defenses have been in the past. And, you know, we've, we've seen that kind of game and obviously a lot of things led up to that. So, Having that moment plus the bye week, I think that was a great time to put someone else uh, in place to kind of put together a game plan for Syracuse. And again, I think the personnel fits for Syracuse this week, despite them having issues in the past, which I really truly believe was schematic. Because if you lose the same way over and over and over again, uh, and your talent level is uh, demonstratively better, uh, that, that kind of shows it's a scheme thing. So at this point, I truly believe Syracuse has the athletes uh, on the defensive side of the ball to, to contain a mobile quarterback, especially a, a fresh one, um, you got to knock him out. But uh, there should be enough athletes, and with the right scheme, I think this could be a really great game for Coach Nard to kind of uh, stamp himself as Syracuse defense coordinator and give fans something to be excited about. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an opportunity for him. I'll tell you this, I think Kendall Coleman – uh, has defended the RPO really, really well this year. If you want to talk about someone who's in control of what he's doing, yep. uh, you know, I go back and rewatch the games. He's been good. To me, it's the eyes of the linebackers and the safeties, and we've seen guys get a little aggressive and, and get caught, you know, either looking or, or stepping out of place a number of times. Uh, the variable that goes hand in hand with that is can Duke run the ball? They're actually not particularly good at it. The only ACC team worse at running the ball on first down than them. Syracuse, so you maybe you can find a way to uh, to put Duke behind the sticks a little bit and mitigate some of those issues. Uh, but it, it is definitely an opportunity for for Steve Stenard. I want to hit on something on the other side of the ball really quick before going to fan questions. Duke can rush the passer. They are, I believe, a top fifty team in sacks per game. Victor Dimukeji, defensive end, 6'2", 265, has six and a half sacks this year. Got a handful of other guys with multiple sacks. I'm interested to see if that offensive line has done anything with its second bye week to try and prepare. And I'm, and I'm sure they're trying, but to effectively prepare. You know, we saw BC only get three sacks uh, two weeks ago. Uh, obviously, the Eagles have a very, very bad defense, particularly up front. And they didn't dedicate many resources toward rushing the passer, which was befuddling to me. Um, I thought Syracuse really shot itself in the foot once it stopped taking uh, taking shots down the field. Um so, yeah, I, I, I wonder if we will see, finally, Aaron Service kick out the tackle for Carlos Vettorello. Uh If not, Vettorello, the redshirt freshman, and Matthew Bergeron, the true freshman, will, will have their hands full. So, big opportunity for those guys. Um, and, you know, that's kind of been the story of Syracuse's season on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to continue there. All right, let's jump over to some fan questions. 
Christian Leogrand, any hope for 2019? Who would be a good D coordinator hire? Julian, any particular defensive scheme you would like the new coordinator to use as opposed to the Tampa 2? All right, we got three different questions there, one of which Julian already answered really well. Um, as far as a, a good D coordinator hire, I, I do have one small thing to add. Uh, my colleague Nate Mink wrote something a couple weeks ago about Navy's co-defensive coordinator Brian Norwood. Teammates with Dino at Hawaii, uh, as he writes, they are in lockstep when it comes to program culture and personality fit. So maybe he's a guy who they look to. Uh, four two five base with three four principles is how it's kind of been outlined. Uh, so you know we'll see. That's one name to watch. Uh, again, the good news from Syracuse's perspective is by doing this with three weeks left, you, you have the time to see who appeals to you, see who reaches out, see how Steve Stenard does. Um, you know, we think back to Scott Schaefer being fired early, and that gave Syracuse a chance to get a head start on its head coaching search. This obviously works the same way, and uh, you know, as as you know, <laughs> once one guy moves in an offseason, it, it just causes um, a domino effect, and you never know who might be, be available. So I don't have any other great names um as far as any hope for for 2019 uh this is it you know this is it you know i think we hit on the two key points for duke um you know can you mitigate a dual threat quarterback because duke's offense hasn't been great the last few weeks Uh, i think the way to do that is stopping the run and as as julian said end play and uh, the linebackers and the safeties just being uh on their assignments and, and not getting pulled out of their places um, gives you a chance to win. Uh, Syracuse hasn't beaten a Power 5 team this year. Syracuse has only won on the road once this year against Liberty, um, which seems like an eternity ago. So I, I don't personally have much hope that, that they're going to be able to get to 5-7 and seven or 6-6, six and six, but if they're going to do it, um, you know, obviously it starts on Saturday. Uh, from Charles, Duke's starting center will be out for the game. Will that help us bring pressure on their QB, or will it be the same old song and dance? Uh, what do you what do you think, Julian? Do you think this is kind of an opportunity for Syracuse to bring more pressure? Um, based on the way some of the guys talked last night, particularly the Keem Williams, I, I kind of think they might be. Um, we also talked about the dangers of, of that with a quarterback who runs. How, how do you find that balance? So when you got, a, I think when there's a, a new center, it's probably the second best uh, news you can get as a defense. That's probably third best if you had quarterbacks, but. Uh, outside of left tackles being out, a center being out is fantastic news because they typically set the line, uh, right? So if you've got a young guy in there and you bring pressure, you can confuse him on who's coming, what kind of uh, set they try to uh, counter your blitz with. And you can really get after a team's offensive line because they have a young center in there who's making calls up front. Um, the other thing is, all of a sudden, those A-gaps become much more vulnerable. You've got a guy who, A, has to snap the ball first and get his hands up. If you put a lot of pressure on those A-gaps, whether it's twists, stunts, and blitzes, uh, you give yourself some opportunities against an offensive line to really get up the middle. And football-wise, the best kind of pressure you can create is up the middle. It forces the quarterback to move side to side. All of a sudden, his eyes come down. They are forced to because he's got a man literally running right at him. And it, it's, a, it's a plus to every level of your defense from the secondary down because all of a sudden receivers aren't being looked at. Uh, linebackers have the opportunity to step up. Uh, and obviously, your linemen are getting after the quarterback and creating immediate pressure. So 
up the middle, having a center out of the game, there are a lot of benefits for a defense, and it would be advantageous for Syracuse this week to uh, try to get after the quarterback and go after uh, the, new, the new and backup center. Uh, what was the second question? I forget. I forget. Uh, let me pull that back up. Uh, those pr- Duke starting center will be out for the game. Will that help us bring pressure on their QB, or will it be the same old song and dance? So. Oh, okay. So I'd, I expect them to actually try and come after these guys, and I think a lot of guys will also be playing for their jobs as well. So uh, there will be – you know, motivation to actually play this game uh, with their best effort. So uh, I would anticipate same song and dance, especially if uh, this new quarterback is has had limited playing time and experience. Uh, I don't think he should come out and kill it. I don't expect Syracuse to give up Boston College yardage either. Um, I think this game will actually be closer um, than people expect. And I, I, I think Syracuse has an opportunity here, especially if they can uh, find a way to shut down the quarterback early and often. Yeah, that's that's. I I think I agree with you um, that they're going to have an opportunity. I to me, I come back to the, we're going to get into predictions later, but it's not the defense that worries me going into this game. Yep. Uh, <laughs> last question, uh, actually, quick note: uh, it's a redshirt sophomore who's going to be filling in. Will Taylor, career reserve guy who's appeared in a few games, so not a a totally new guy, but also someone who hasn't started before. So. Um, you know, definitely an opportunity up front for K.J. Ruff and, and Josh Black. Uh, last question from Danny Lopez. With so much negativity surrounding the football program right now, what aspect of the team are you most optimistic about moving forward? This is a really good question, and uh, it's a good question because I don't have a good answer. Uh, I, I think the, off, the offense is going to be what it is next year. You know, if the, the linemen can grow up and they can bring some guys in, they have the potential to be very good. Uh, the defense loses a ton of talent, a ton of production. You're starting defensive ends, one of your interior linemen, both your linebackers, your boundary corner, and your strong safety. And your punter's gone too. So what, what are you most optimistic about? That's a tough. That's there's really no easy answer besides the kicker and the non-conference schedule. Um, I, I don't personally have anything aside from the head coach. Uh, you know, despite the lack of success this year, I, I still think Syracuse is a real asset in Dino Babers, and I I, I think there is still belief within the program. It, it's going to come down to nailing this defensive coordinator hire and finding a way to patch up that offensive line. Um, anything that you're particularly optimistic about? At three and six, moving forward, Julian. <laughs> uh, no, I think you got to uh, hit towards my answer, and it's the same thing. Uh, the change, Coach Babers, like you said, is an asset to Syracuse, and I'm interested to see what this is. The, this is the next season will be Coach Babers' money year in terms of wow, this guy is truly valuable as a head coach, both to Syracuse and whoever else is out there looking at head coaches because. This is the big deal. It's, it's the change. It's what does he do when all of a sudden talent is starting to come out on defense? You've got to replace guys. Your, your recruiting classes are starting to get in. Uh, you're, deep, you're changing defensive coordinators. What kind of uh, scheme does he put together? Um, how do you patch up the offensive line? How do you develop them in the offseason uh, to get guys ready to play? Uh, if these things all of a sudden come together and he's able to put together an eight, nine win season next year, I would say he's probably the most valuable coach Syracuse has ever had because uh, the turnaround in terms of what he had to do to change the program again 
from taking a huge and major step back to all of a sudden uh, getting back to where uh, I think a lot of people expected Syracuse to be. Uh, that's that's the only thing I'm optimistic about, and it's it may be good, it may be bad, um, but I'm looking forward to how Coach Faber handles the change on the defensive side of the ball, losing so many guys. Um, in some instances, I think it'll be addition by subtraction, but uh, I, I think it'll be a, a definite uh, interest to see how Syracuse uh, manages the changes across defensive. Uh, defensive unit, and then on the offensive side of the ball, getting guys up front ready to go, and then even schematically with the offense, I think it's kind of. It's, I don't like that I can predict plays at this point. I don't like being able to see oh, quick to the out. I mean that because that means the defense knows too, you know, and that means coordinators know it as well. So mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens in the offseason in terms of schematic changes across defense, patching up the offensive line, and what kind of changes on offense we see. Uh, to create some more explosive plays and getting guys down to be able to actually uh, give themselves an opportunity to win. For sure. I I think as far as from an individual perspective, if you want to be optimistic, we may have some individuals to single out over the last three games. I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some young guys get more opportunities on both sides of the ball, and that may start as – you know, as early as this week, um, especially, you know, when you look at that defense, if if some older guys aren't putting in the effort that Steve Stenard is looking for – all right, let's go to our predictions. Uh, I will give you mine now while Julian thinks of his. I've got Syracuse losing 24-17, and that actually means they would cover a 10.5-point spread against a 4-5 and five Duke team. Uh, to me, you know, the defense has, has some warts, certainly. Uh, I think the personnel is good. I think the effort will be better. But the offensive line on the road, I just... They have not had a good game. They haven't even had an okay game. I mean, they have been ghastly on the road. Um, communication issues, execution issues, um, just sometimes getting outmanned as as well. You know, so I uh, I need to see it to believe it. I kind of said it all year. You know, even with the second bye week, that doesn't change for me. Um, that offense is they have not been able to run the ball. They have not been able to protect the quarterback. And, and you know, Tommy DeVito has appeared rattled. Uh, later in the year, especially late in, in some of the games uh, that he's taken a lot of hits in. So, um, you know, you couple that with a defense that, that has had lots of issues and, and maybe the biggest one, one that goes overlooked, is they haven't scored a touchdown this year. They've had a lot of turnovers, but there hasn't been a defensive or special teams touchdown. So as far as directly impacting the scoreboard, that offense has not gotten a lot of help. And, uh, you know, with the state of the offensive line, it really needs it. So unless to me, unless that happens on Saturday – I just can't pick Syracuse to win. No, I think that was a, a great explanation. And uh, I'm going to go with 27-20 uh, Duke this week as well. It, again, and one, it's hard to pick Syracuse on the road just because of all the props that you just listed. Uh, again, with the defense and special teams not really offering any other scoring help. Uh, again, I've, I've kind of seen the only way Syracuse has much offense is when they start to hit the big play. And obviously it's not been a big component of their offense. Uh, to this point, but I think it it happens enough for them to get into the end zone a few times. But again, I, I think that this Duke team finds a way to score. The way that they uh, with the mobile quarterback and how Syracuse defended them in the past and how much it has hurt them. I think that's how they find separation, whether it's uh, third and short to get them off the field where they fail to do so, or just broken plays. I, I think that a, a quarterback who has a dual threat and can make plays with his feet. Uh, could be the Achilles heel of Syracuse this week. So I'm going with Duke 27-20. Uh, I think it's a closer game than people expect, but 
just not quite enough from Syracuse. Duke pulls this one out. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, maybe, it, it wouldn't shock me if something happened, but I just got to see it. Um, all right, guys, thanks as always for listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to us yet, please go do that. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. If you'd like to purchase advertising, you can contact Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. We will talk to you after the Duke game.